You are listening to the Teaching Little Brains podcast with Sarah Nikaruk, episode 58. Hello, Teacher Brain. Ever been in an audience of something and someone coughs and it seems to start a chain reaction of coughing? Or you're talking to someone and they scratch their nose, so then you scratch yours. Or you're at a party and someone's dancing and you catch yourself like, you know, bopping along unconsciously. Do you ever wonder why? Well, it may be at least partly due to something called mirror neurons. Mirror neurons were discovered accidentally in macaque monkeys in 1992. And I'll tell you that story in a minute. And have since undergone quite a bit of scrutiny and back and forth opinions around the purpose and functionality. But there are three types of neurons in the nervous system. So we have motor neurons, which are associated with the execution of a certain action. They deliver signals from the brain to directly or indirectly control effector organs, mainly muscles and glands. We have sensory neurons, which are the nerve cells that are activated by sensory input from the environment. For example, when you touch a hot surface with your fingertips, the sensory neurons will be the ones firing and sending off signals to the rest of the nervous system about the information they have received. While every organ in our body is supplied by both motor neurons and sensory neurons, they're functionally different. The third type of neurons are called interneurons, which are the central nodes of the neural circuits, enabling communication between sensory and motor neurons and the central nervous system. They play vital roles in reflexes, neural oscillations, and neurogenesis in the adult mammalian brain. Now, a mirror neuron is a neuron or brain cell that fires both when an animal acts and when the animal observes the same action performed by another. So there are neurons inside your mind that mirror what is happening outside. And as I said, they were discovered by accident in 1992 in a lab in Italy. Fortuitously, the macaques in the lab were already hooked up to electrodes because the researchers were studying other things in their behavior in completing tasks. When one day, one of the researchers began eating their lunch in front of one of the monkeys. And what was registered by the equipment baffled the researchers. So they observed that the same neurons fired when the monkey was watching the researcher eat his lunch as when they were eating their own lunch. So of course, being scientists, they investigated further, replicating these conditions. They gave another monkey a banana and the first monkey watched the second one peel and eat said banana. And again, part of the first monkey's brain lit up as if it were the one peeling and eating the banana itself. And this raised a number of questions. Was this phenomenon unique to monkeys? Was this true for humans too? However, humans find the notion of having electrodes inserted into their brain less desirable, and they have the ability and right to refuse that, where monkeys unfortunately do not. So scientists had to rethink their strategy, and so they conducted the same study but using EEGs instead. 
And as it turns out, human brains also contain mirror neurons, which perform in the same way as the ones do in the macaques. So when I was reading the research around mirror neurons to Zoe, she said, now I know why it makes me want to eat a freezy when someone else eats a freezy. And this, this is quite, she's quite right, possibly. The scientific community got very excited about this discovery, as did Zoe. And all sorts of questions and hypotheses emerged and studies were conducted. Where do they come from in terms of evolution? Have we evolved to have mirror neurons? And could they be a change from millions of years ago? And they got better and better. Are they, are they driven by evolution to allow us to interact with other people? Or as a rival theory to this postulates, is this something that we learn through our lives? Like when babies are born, they don't have any mirror neurons, but when they see actions and when they do the actions, they then make connections between the images they see in front of them and the actual movements of their hand, for example. And by making those actions, then they create mirror neurons. All of these are questions that people wanted to study. Now, there are a couple of caveats with mirror neurons that should be noted here. So random movements don't cause them to fire, but familiar intentional movements do. So these neurons do not fire when we're observing someone just doing a seemingly random action with no perceived or understood purpose. So for example, if I moved my hand up and down and around, your mirror neurons would not likely fire unless, and this is just my own theorizing here, that movement has some familiar meaning or context to you. But it's when you know the intention behind an action that the system in your brain involving the mirror neurons is activated. So if I reached for a water bottle, picked it up, twisted off the cap, brought it to my mouth and tipped it up, your mirror neurons would fire. And in short, even though these mirror neurons were part of the brain's motor system, they seemed to be correlated not with specific movements, but with specific goals. So they don't respond to pantomimes or meaningless gestures, as I mentioned, or to random animal sounds, but they seem specifically tuned in to respond to actions with clear goals. Whether, and here's the interesting part, those actions are perceived through sight, sound, or any other sensory pathway. So when I was describing picking up the water bottle, turning the cap, taking it off, lifting the water bottle to my mouth and pouring it in, what was happening for you? You may have experienced the firing of your motor mirror, sorry, your mirror neurons. If you found yourself sensing the coolness of the water in your mouth or the desire for it, because you can follow my sequence of actions, whether I'm describing them verbally or you're watching them visually. And when you can predict the implication of that sequence of actions, it creates a map of what I'm doing and my intention in your head. You can see why this is so fascinating to people. But why? What purpose does this serve? How are these neurons useful? And what are the implications of that use? And that is what researchers and scientists have been postulating and testing out since the discovery of the existence of these neurons. And it continues today. So are mirror neurons involved in or responsible for 
The development of empathy. That's one of the questions. Perhaps the mirroring effect helps our brains see things from another person's point of view. And many people subscribe to that idea for a long time, and some still do. And it makes sense, at least to the layperson, aka me. (laughs) Watching someone else do something literally fires a reaction in our brain and helps us understand what it feels like to do that thing. And if you've ever watched America's Funniest Home Videos, for example, and you've winced when, like, inevitably the dad playing t-ball with the kid takes a line drive to the jewels... Right? You know what I'm talking about. Another idea that has incited much debate is that a lack of mirror neurons might help to explain autism. So autism was characteristically associated with an absence or deficiency in emotion or empathy. And it was suggested that people with autism either did not have mirror neurons or that these neurons did not function as they did in those without autism. And there's much more to this than what I've described here, obviously. And you can Google it if you're interested in, in diving deep into this. There are There's so much around it, um, around the debate. And if you want to find out more, by all means. But that brings up this point. Why is it so complicated to pinpoint all of these things? Well, There are about 100 billion neurons in the human brain with 1,000 to 10,000 contacts per neuron. So that results in more permutations and combinations than the number of elementary particles in the universe. If you've ever heard that our brains are more complex than the universe, that's what it means. So while theories around empathy and autism have been presented and studied, the results are largely inconclusive and still under debate. It's accepted that it's quite possible that they play a role in each of these things, but there are too many variations and inconsistencies in the findings to conclude about um, definitively about a direct causality with like any level of certainty or validity either way. So. One thing that seems to be generally accepted, and what I find super fascinating, is that these mirror neurons help in learning. So the idea is, thanks to mirror neurons, we are able to observe an action first, what is being done, and then understand the intention of that action, why it's happening, and finally, to reproduce that same action in order to achieve similar results, the motor component. So there is something that happens when we're near other people, and this is either physically or virtually, and it's called energetic coupling. It's when after a while of mirroring, your neurons couple with someone else's whom you're, you're mirroring, forming this like energetic connection. And this is measurable by science. It's so cool. So this connection can go hundreds of thousands or thousands of meters and actually It's been discovered that the energy can travel around the world. It's why uh, distance healing and focused meditation can influence the energy of the environment held in focus, whether you're in physically in that environment or not. And that's a whole other episode. But if you're intrigued, check out the work of Lynn McTaggart. She has a book called The Power of Eight, which is super fascinating and science-based. But We're doing this energetic coupling all the time, unconsciously. So think about when you're with your best friend 
or someone with an accent, for example. Do you ever find yourself moving, gesturing, or even talking like them? When my mom and her best friend hang out, it's almost impossible to tell them apart, especially by ear. They pick up each other's speech patterns and intonations and everything. And this is why people say that you are a combination of the five people you hang out with most. You're coupling with their energy. And I think it also explains scientifically why they encourage us to choose those people wisely. So if you listen to anyone successful whom you admire, they will likely give you this advice. Think of who you want to be, what you want to do, and the things you want to have. Surround yourself with the people who embody these qualities, exhibit these behaviors, and possess those things that you want. Become that person in a sense. And I feel like this is the scientific explanation behind why that works. So you can leverage your brain to help you get there faster. You can tap into the incredible power of your mirror neurons and energetic coupling by observing those people, immersing yourself in their energy as much as possible. It's like Masaru Emoto's experiments that I talked about in episode 47 around the power of words with the rice and the water. And although rice and water obviously don't have mirror neurons, the energetic coupling or alignment affected the physical reality of the rice and water. So which do you think is going to benefit you more? Coupling energetically with people who are negative and stuck or people who are, do, and have what you want to become, do, and have? Okay, so mirror neurons fire when you do something and when you watch someone else doing that thing, even if you don't move a muscle. So there's a ton of evidence that our performance is better when we watch others complete a task first before we attempt it. For example, there's a study that took people who had never done modern dance before and trained them up over a course of five weeks to do a particular kind of modern dance. And they scanned them every week to see how their brains changed. And they found that as the participants learned the dance, they also showed different patterns and more patterns of brain activation in the mirror neuron system. As they were able to understand in much more detail and much great, uh, to a much greater fashion the kind of dance they were seeing when another person was performing it. So their understanding of the goal of the action activated their mirror neurons, right? It's not random. They understood the intention and the goal. So the mirror neuron system is really giving us sort of a key insight into basic mechanisms of visual motor learning and how people acquire new skills and then use those skills in a social way to make sense of other people. It's really making a strong case for modeling things for our kids and students, isn't it? Studies like this also show that if you learn a new motor skill that changes your brain, that changes your mirror neuron system. It strengthens and builds it. It also gives you a much greater understanding of other people performing that kind of skill. So back to the empathy question again, just not directly. People are able to understand the intentions behind another's actions because mirror neurons run a sort of like virtual reality simulation of what it would be like for oneself to perform that action. 
In 2013, V.S. Ramachandran, a renowned Indian-American neuroscientist, reiterated that we are still unsure about the importance of mirror neurons, but had some ideas of his own. So Ramachandran was very excited about mirror neurons and referred to them as the neurons that shaped civilization. He thought they would, quote, do for psychology what DNA did for biology, that they would provide a unifying framework and help explain a host of mental abilities that have hitherto remained mysterious and inaccessible to experiments, end quote. He noted that even though the human brain achieved its current size around 300,000 years ago, there was a sudden emergence and rapid spread of skills unique to humans about 75,000 to 100,000 years ago. Skills like tool use, use of fire, building of shelter, language development, and the theory of mind. So he suspected that this sudden emergence and rapid spread in skill had something to do with the evolution of mirror neurons. So to illustrate this, he shared a hypothetical scenario in which someone accidentally discovers one of the aforementioned skills in the presence of another. So maybe they they accidentally discovered use of a tool. And that per- the other person sees and imitates the skill. So as a result, that skill spreads horizontally across the culture and then vertically over generations. For example, it might take a polar bear thousands of generations to grow a thicker coat, and that's the Darwinian theory of evolution, which takes thousands of years, whereas a human child watching its parent kill a polar bear, skin it, and put the fur on its body might take just a few minutes, or hours technically. This was moving from Darwinian to Lamarckian evolution, which sees evolutionary change within a single generation. And if you think about your brain's main job to keep you safe, i.e. part of the group, this makes sense as well because in order to remain part of the group, you need to be valuable to it. And so you need to be able to contribute by means of having the skills that everyone else has or more advanced skills. Ramachandran also uncovered that the that mirror neurons also fire when someone is touched on the arm, for example, themselves, and when they watch someone else being touched. The super interesting part, though, is let's say you're seeing someone else get touched on the arm. Your mirror neurons fire as if you're the one being touched on the arm, but your amazing brain still knows that it is not you, in fact, in physical reality being touched. And so it blocks the physical sensation from hitting your arm so as not to confuse you, right? That's the separation between you and other. So essentially, there's like a feedback signal that vetoes the signal of the mirror neurons, preventing you from consciously experiencing the touch. However, and here's the crazy fascinating part, if I anesthetize or freeze your arm or cut it off and I touch my arm, you will then literally feel it in your arm even though you have no sensation there. What? That seems so backwards. But Ramachandran explains this by saying that 
By anesthetizing the arm, we dissolve the only true barrier between you and the other humans because all that's separating any of us from each other is skin. There's no distinction between your consciousness and someone else's because neurons are all communicating with each other all the time. We are all connected, as it were. So when you remove that skin or the sensation of it, you feel the same thing as the other person does. And he has deemed them in in that way, he's deemed these neurons the Gandhi neurons or empathy neurons. And here's what Ramachandran is possibly best known for. His work with, he calls them phantom limbs and the invention of the mirror box. And it works like this. Actually, if you've ever watched House with Hugh Laurie, perhaps you've seen this episode in which House has a neighbor who's plagued by pain in a limb, his arm, that doesn't exist. It's a phantom limb, right? So the man had been in Vietnam and lost his hand trying to save a boy. His hand, when it when it was lost, was gripping to the boy uh, when it got dismembered from his body. So in true house fashion, house helps the man, but not before drugging and duct taping him to a chair. I think the man was like set on suicide or just like utterly unconvinced that anything else could work since he'd been living with this pain for over 36 years and so was reluctant to accept help. So then House had to force him. But anyway, then using Ramachandran's mirror box, he puts the man's healthy arm, the one that's still physically there, into the left side of the box. So his left arm is still there and his other arm with the missing part into the right side. And there's a mirror between them so that when the man looks in, he sees two arms with hands. So it's kind of like there's a hole where your arm goes. So it's kind of like when you put your arm into like a mystery box and feel something. One arm goes in one side, one arm goes in the other side. There's a divider in the middle with a mirror, mirroring the image of the completed arm with the hand. Then House instructs the man to clench both fists And the man does so, and when he releases his fists, the pain is gone from his phantom limb. And this house is the example, is the Hollywood example, but this is what the mirror box is. It does this in real life. It's almost as if the neurons were getting relief from observing that relief in someone else. It's so cool, our brains, right? Like, remember, it's more complex than the universe. And check this out. There's apparently a guy who loved the movie The Karate Kid. He watched it over and over and over and over. And as he watched it, his mirror neurons were firing every time as if he were, you know, doing the karate moves himself. So one day he was in the elevator of a building and someone came in and tried to mug him. And his muscle memory took over and using the moves he had mentally rehearsed from the Karate Kid, he took the mugger down. If you've been listening to this podcast all along, you know that I am a certified master neuro coach and I was certified by Dr. Shannon Irvin. And in fact, I was just uh, a guest on her podcast, the Epic Success Podcast, episode 220, if you want to check that out. But when I first came across Dr. Shannon, she was a guest on another podcast and was telling a story about her experience as a PhD student in neuroscience. So she was part of a study in which um, 
they had a an Olympic swimmer who had agreed with his coach to come in and he wanted to develop his stroke. He wanted to improve one of his strokes. And they agreed together, the coach and uh, the swimmer agreed to do this in the lab instead of the pool. So they immersed them in this uh, sensory experience and had them uh, watch and visualize the swimmer doing the motion without moving, without getting in the pool, and found that the swimmer not only did he improve his uh, stroke, but also built, physically built muscle. And I think it was something crazy, like 97% or I don't know, something, it was something insane. I think I've talked about it before. You can go back and listen, but crazy. And you can Google this too. There was also another study that she talked about in where they took two groups of people and they were learning piano scales. And one group worked on the piano. I can't remember how long the study was, maybe two weeks or 10 days or something. Um, So they practiced the scales on the piano every day. The other group just visualized, imagined, watched um, the piano being played and learned just in the lab without touching a piano. And what they found was that people who had learned by watching and visualizing performed at the end of the the time they had both groups perform the scales physically on the piano the people who had not touched the piano and only did the mental work were able to more accurately play the scales than the people who had been practicing on the piano itself so crazy the power of our brains so obviously much research remains to be done for instance can mirror neurons be consciously disabled? And if so, what happens then? Are we immune to the contagion of yawning or coughing or laughing or craving a freezy or a drink of water when we see others doing those things? Would it help to identify what behaviors rely on these neurons and what specific function they serve? Either way, Even the biggest critics of the hype surrounding mirror neurons accept that they probably play a role in enabling imitation, given that there must be some mechanism in the brain that converts an observed action to a series of muscle commands. And at the very least, mirror neurons are fascinating components of the human brain that will hopefully continue to be studied further. And for you, Here's something to play with. Think about how you can leverage your mirror neurons to learn something new or get better at something, maybe playing a musical instrument or artistic technique or golf swing. (laughs) What a fun experiment that would be. And think about whom you want to couple yourself energetically with and get in their space physically or virtually as much as possible. And just notice what happens. You've been listening to the Teaching Little Brains podcast with Sarah Nickaruk. Until next week, please be safe, kind, and compassionate with yourself and others. Bye for now.